The following is a KPV Media Works production. Choose your fighter. How you doing, guys? Welcome back to another episode of KPB Cast. And today with me, I have what we would like to call, at least in the East Coast, one of the pillars of the fighting game community. I mean, this man's been around for, I mean, God knows Almost how long. I, I mean, I've talked to you about the original East Coast championships that we've uh, used to run out here in Jersey. We have with you Matt Luongo, also known as Shock. What's up, guys? Shock, thank you for being with us. Really appreciate it. You know, I interviewed you, I interviewed you about, I want to say almost nine years ago when MK9 was, was here at, at um, VSM, the Gamer's VSM, Edge. Yes, Gamer's Edge. That was like eight years ago, yeah. Yeah, and that was really when I first got to know you, and I made such a mistake. At the beginning of that wow. video, it said, longtime UMK3 supporter, but what you really are, you're just a fighting game community supporter. You, you are a fighting game aficionado. Okay, more or less. <laughs> <laughs> when did you, when did you decide to start taking fighting games? You know, and on a, when, when did you start being competitive in fighting games? When did you decide? You know what? I, I'm, I'm sure it had to be during the arcade days. You grew up during arcades, so why don't you take us through yeah, that I first? Would, okay, so yeah, um, it it definitely started on I would say like Super Nintendo, uh, the local like you know the kids who always thought you know they were like the best at every game. That was really when the competitive edge started. Uh, playing against the older brothers of my best friend, that was where I really cut my teeth because they were probably pushing 20 at the time. So they really had like an understanding of you know fundamentals, uh, Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat 2 in particular. Um, and then when I was old enough to really start going to the arcades, because I was like 11, I think, when Mortal Kombat 1 came out. Yes. So when I hit like 13, 14, and like it was really hanging out more, um, that's when the arcade scene for me really took off with MK3. I was like waiting for that game to drop. Um, I didn't have that anticipation for any game before that, and that's probably why the game has stuck with me so much. Um, and then just traveling around New Jersey, I mean, I felt relatively undefeated in the 90s, uh, and then or in 2000 was when I started r really getting interested in going out to tournaments because I didn't even know there were tournaments. That was just not a thing to me. You say you went, um, you, you basically got everything in the Super Nintendo with your friends, brothers, and everything. Explain, yeah. explain the differences between going from the home console Super Nintendo at the time to an arcade. I mean, because yeah. we knew the ports of the games. Obviously, they just weren't up to, up to par to the arcade versions. How much of yeah. a big difference for you was there going from a console to an arcade so I, system? I was an arcade kid uh, first and then a console kid, so I was okay. never satisfied with home ports ever. As I don't think nobody back. was. <laughs> nobody. Not even yeah. with, not even with uh, Street Fighter 2. No, okay. but even going back to like Nintendo with like any arcade game that came out, I was an arcade kid. I, I would, My family would go to Atlantic City all the time, and the arcades, they were fantastic. So... I'd play all those games in the arcade first, and then I'd play them on the console, and I would just be, even as like a seven, eight-year-old kid, I'd be like, this is terrible. Like, this is, <laughs> they were just, 
you, the experience in the arcade was just so different because everything in an arcade is seamless. It's made so that there's no downtime that you're getting um, what seems like the most for your money. There's like really just like the 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 scenes, like the cut scenes, basically what you would you would say like between rounds, very fast, very sure you could speed up everything. On the consoles, it's a little sluggish. You know, the, everything's a little more labored. Um, and then the actual translations of the games, that's really where, if you're a serious player, it matters. But the local kids, they didn't really care. It was They got to play the game at home. They weren't dying to go out to the arcade like I was. So, And um, you, say you, were an ar- you, you say you were an arcade kid. There's another thing that a lot of people sometimes forget to factor in just the arcade experience all those people surrounded by these you know surrounding these machines you know uh quarters on the little you know right there it's my turn yet the possibility of possibly getting stabbed because somebody got mad they got perfected (laughs) you don't you don't get that on your couch at home you're happy you're drinking some kool-aid or something that's not necessarily true uh, what the stabbing part well (laughs) depends uh in the case of my friend uh, my best friend's older brother's they would get very upset if they lost. And it had that same feeling as if you met a stranger in an arcade and you didn't know how to, you know, how they were going to react if they lost, uh, like punching things and throwing controllers and stuff. Yeah, yeah, you had to uh, you had to watch back for the next couple of days if you were coming over because they didn't, you know, they were competitive, you know, and, you know, that's similar to the arcade experience. I never had at least that I was aware of. I never had a, even what would be a close call, but I did witness some instances where people, I was just like, you might want to, you might want to back off a little bit because I don't know where this guy is going with his, uh, you know, with his attitude. So no, trust um, me. I, I know uh, the place I used to um, play uh, Marvel versus Capcom Tekken and everything, a well-known mm-hmm. Mexican gang used to play there as well. And I always knew when to stop, you know, just beating their asses. Let me just walk out. I want to actually get out with my life intact. Yes. Uh, it, it really is a different environment, though. Besides, um, besides Mortal Kombat, again, going back, you're an arcade kid. So what was your favorite arcade game growing up? Oh, geez. Um, I, I would say WrestleFest was my favorite, my, my like absolute favorite game, because that's like a hybrid of like a beat-em-up in a fighting game, because there's energy bars in it, and it's one-on-one for the most part, unless you do like the Royal Rumble. Um, that game, though, I mean, button mashing like you wouldn't believe, but right. it was so much fun. Um, I, I It's indescribable, and I know they tried to remake it a few years ago. They tried to do like a cell phone version of it, and like they kind of had it, just didn't capture the charm though it's that's i didn't even i didn't even know they tried to remake that game that's uh they did yeah they put all they did like a mix of like the old characters and and the you know the ones that were in the game ones that would have been in the game and then the more contemporary wrestlers uh it just was terrible it's really (laughs) i couldn't i couldn't believe i was so excited i was like wow i was like the game's getting like a nod you know 15 you know so many years later it was like well that happens a lot with a lot of these guys and girls or whoever who decides to remake games from a past generation into a new one it it always ends up like it's not the same you know nostalgia that's Mm -hmm. the one thing that we love and the new generation of gamers they just don't appreciate it and it's just a mix mash of things a perfect example of of something being done right and being new is killer instinct for xbox right that game absolutely captures the passion of killer instinct and it takes it beyond to what it needed to be today that is the only one i can think of off the top of my head 
that really, really hit it. No, you're right. Yeah. Killer Instinct on Xbox is one of the only fighting games from a past generation where you're right. They brought it in and they just captured everything that the gen yep. those generations of players like you and me we loved, but the new yep. generation of players equally loved as well. You know, not many yep. not many games like that are are made these no. days where you could basically yeah. mix Still both generations of players yeah. and it, it really yeah. was such a fun game. Going back to WrestleFest, I mean, I played WrestleFest some. I actually ended up playing more of a WWE, WWF, excuse me, WrestleMania, the arcade game. That, that, I that. never played that in the arcade until uh, my my uh, my friend opened his arcade. I never actually got to play that. I never saw it, not once. Really? A lot of that stuff. So weird. Like, I never saw a Killer Instinct arcade cabinet until probably my late 20s. Never saw one. I, I, I know that they were everywhere, but... Just, I mean, the arcade scene after, like, 1995, just, I mean, it was a stark drop after MK3. MK4, I never played a person in the arcade. I Not did. Once. It's MK4 and arcade where I used to play. It was fun, but it's just, there was just something very clunky about the game. Oh, yeah. You know, no, it was... Um, Unplayable. I, I don't know how people can get into that game, but <laughs> that's is, just my... Is Killer my, Instinct um, considered the best uh, knockoff of Mortal Kombat ever? I don't even consider it a knockoff. It's definitely its own thing somehow. It's it's as distinct as Mortal Kombat is from Street Fighter, I think, uh, from both games. It has elements of both, but it has its own complete design and, and just the rare design and the, the character models and everything. The music is just... It's a great presentation, but I never got into Killer Instinct as a game. Not once. You grew up in arcades. Uh... Give us your thoughts when you started uh, when you started seeing them fade. Did you feel like something within you was taken away from you, or it yeah. was it was just it, we all knew it was coming. We just didn't want to accept it. The saddest part for me was that by the time I started driving, there was nothing. There was like you could find arcades, but like nobody was playing. There was I mean mall arcades and like the boardwalks were dwindling. Those racing games started like popping up everywhere. To me, and I know a lot of other people who grew up with arcades, the racing games are like the bane of our existence. Where like once those started popping up, it was over. And we're talking about that, things like um, Cruising the World, Hydro Thunder. But I love mm -hmm. Crazy Taxi, so I, I'll give that one yeah, a pass. Crazy Taxi, amazing game. Again, that is a, I use this word a lot to describe video games. That is a charismatic, brilliantly designed game. No faults whatsoever. But the sit-down racers, they just, they were ubiquitous at some point it was probably late 90s early 2000s and sucked because that's when i started driving in the late 90s and i was like oh cool i can go around arcades and actually find people to play there was nobody to play anymore so, yeah, so like <laughs> like I, like i said you know we just felt like something was taken away from us but you know arcade yeah. scene dies out did you know about the offline competitive community before the arcades died out or is that something you found afterwards um, i found out uh in Right around 2000, um, a coworker of mine, uh, we happened to be talking about gaming one day and how much he loved Mortal Kombat Trilogy, and he told me about SureYouCan.com, and uh, then we started, you know, seeing people talk about running tournaments, and then it was like 2001, uh, Big E was it was NEC2, and Big E was advertising UMK3, and we were like, oh man, we got to go out there and play. And that's what started everything, the NEC2. That was the first first tournament that I ever went to. And he had been competing in, like, mall tournaments for, like, MK4 and K3. He actually 
played at um there's a local reference uh it was the willowbrook mall or the menlo park mall menlo park mall there was a big scene there in the mid 90s for mk3 and he used to play against tom brady uh <laughs> and that was when they were probably like just about 17 or 18 i guess you could say because they're a few years older than me um but i didn't know any of that was going on like not a bit i it's it's such a shame because like i i think i would have been a better player if I would have gotten to know people who really knew what they were doing sooner, because all the habits that I developed, they worked in the nineties. They don't work anymore. No. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't work when you take it to an offline competition where everybody no, who's been doing this for, for, for a while is like, Jesus Christ. I, I mean, I, I'm sure you probably had the same experience that I did. It's like, wait a minute, you could do that. That, that that actually <laughs> happened. <laughs> that I, yeah, I, yeah. I had a crash course in that. It's like, oh, boy, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. I always look when you hear, like, oh, you can't do anything against that. Like, whatever the person's, like, doing, and it's, like, some kind of, like, a repetitive action or something like that. Like, oh, no, you just got to wait till they stop. <laughs> that kind of thing was always what got me. I was just like, really? Like, you can't do anything? It's like, oh, well. <laughs> what was the New it's Jersey like, arcade scene like? Um, I only knew from my, like, own, like, loner traveling. So I don't really know, I didn't know any groups, I didn't know anybody, like any meetups until I would say Soul Calibur 2, which would have been like 0102, probably right around then. Right. I think that's right. Uh, and that was at the Mammoth Mall. And we had a little group there and we went, I went for like a few months. Uh, I wasn't a huge Soul Calibur fan, but I just wanted to learn. And that's when like people started talking about frame data. Because back then, there might have been I don't, well, yeah, training modes existed in games, but there wasn't, like, actual frame data listed. No, there so wasn't, people, no. Yeah, people would take, like, a VCR and, like, and again, VCR, they would advance, like, the footage, like, frame by frame and count everything. And What's then that? They would, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they would post it on, like, Tech and Zaibatsu and these other sites that were, like, they were the resources back then. Um, and um, that's what we had to do. And then eventually they just started putting it in the games because enough, you know, hardcore players were vocal about it. Um, but yeah, Soul Calibur 2 was the first game that I played in any kind of, uh, like, a competitive like a environment. Group. Yeah. Like a, lo a local group of players, meaning like, not like I, okay. So like I had a video store by my house that always had a current fighting game. We had like a handful of people there, but nothing serious. Um, but that went on for years. We, we played everything from like Street Fighter 2 all the way to like, I think it was like marvel versus street fighter i want to say so like around like 97 that's my favorite versus game oh yeah i love omega red in that game i say my my team is omega red because i don't i <laughs> i would never have to use a second character in that game. um i just use uh, ryu until, and ken. until i met until i met you know real real players and ken's theme song in that game was the best so was wolverines i, I really generally miss that game that game was broken yeah. as all hell you know but what can you do that was a lot of fun back then it was. It wasn't as broken as the rest of them, though. There was. There. Yeah, they were all broken, I guess. Well, you know what? You're right. X Men versus yeah. Street Fighter was probably the most broken Fighter. one. That's literally. Let's see who can land an infinite first. Yeah. Whoever gets the first touch. There, there you it. go. Well, you've the been. The first tech throw in the <laughs> that character's. <laughs> now, um, you had said your first offline event where you met Biggie and Tom Brady. Uh, you said that yes. was in 2002. 2001. NEC two. NEC two. Yep. Was and East Coast Championship still running at that time? Yes. 
East Coast Championships I didn't know about, actually. I didn't know about East Coast Championships until 04. So I was, like, really honest. I was 20. I guess I was 20 for NEC, too. Yeah, so that's when I really started, um, like, hunting around for events to go to. So uh, I didn't know about the break. Didn't Nothing. Nothing. It was because of my age range, I think. Yeah. I really didn't know about any of the stuff. Well, it's like a gap for, like, knowing about competitive gaming and before that it was just like wherever i could get to and then yeah. that empty space in the middle of not really knowing that there was any kind of scene anybody get together which well i just, think that's why yeah. we sometimes wish uh the age of information was back in those days because you know you could find an event easily today back then you know like what, it, it was but that was another thing that we just if you were too young you just didn't know so like for example like james mk and summoning guys in our mk scene uh, they were going on IRC and they were in chat rooms and everything way before, like in the MK2, MK3 days. There's even the, the guy who got me in uh, to the scene, he, he was on all that stuff. And he was only a few years older than me, which made the difference. Um, I also didn't get a computer until like 1995. Uh, and by then, like AOL was like the big thing. And I mean, we... I talk to people about video games, but never about meeting up and, and playing or anything. I wish I knew about the IRC stuff, but... Were you obsessed with AIM Messenger like everybody was? Oh, man. I used <laughs> AIM until the day they shut it down. <laughs> yep. I knew somebody who, for whatever <laughs> reason, kept his AIM open for, like, 15 days. I'm like, is there some sort of, like, prize that you're going to get for doing that? Wait, I, I, I come to find out that... Yeah. He kept it on idle I just to have, have his little like, screen name with the little guy running just saying he was there. It's like, what the heck what? are you doing? I, no, I no, swear I, to God. <laughs> no, I I would just – okay, I was one of those people who just left my computer running and on at all times too. So I would I would be like logged in for probably 45, 60 days at a time. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I know all my friends would all log out and everything. Why are you logging out? Like, and then they started oh, got to turn off the computer. Yeah, but I never did. Because I was always told by like other like geeks, like, "Oh no, turning off and turning on your computer oh, is God. not good for it." So is is like, that okay, what is uh, that what that was? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, absolutely. Who ran um, East Coast Championships? Do you know? Um, so ECC was the break, um, and there is um, a guy who's resurfaced in recent years, uh, Todd Dwyer. He ran most of those events, so far as I'm aware. But that was right before I got into the uh, to the break scene. So then there were a few other people. I don't really remember their names. I don't really know them. But the one guy who got me into the break and some other tournaments was uh, Jet Fee, who is one of the, like, nicest guys, welcoming guys that really, he really, like, wanted to see the community become something bigger. And, again, this is, you know, over 15 years ago. We didn't have nearly what we do today. Of course um, not, no. But he um, he helped me, and we just both had the love for the classic MKs. He was really into UMK3, so we ran a bunch of tournaments. He got us into 2007 was uh, Road to Evo, not Road to Evo, Evo East, I believe they called it. It was Evo East in Connecticut. I think uh, I remember that. I, I think yeah. I do, yeah. That's right, because uh, there was Evo West, and I do remember Evo East, and they had a few exhibitions between East versus West, mainly in Marvel yeah. versus Capcom, too, because that yes, was the they, game that basically, you know, uh, uh, they, they, they put both coasts together because that was the game everybody yep. just loved so much. But 
I remember walking into that event and they had a massive projector in the, the ballroom and I heard the UMK3 select screen going. I was like, oh my God, somebody's got MK going. And I looked up, it was just a modded Marvel 2. They had the UMK3 select screen music playing on Marvel 2. <laughs> uh, Dreamcast? Uh, it was a Dreamcast, yeah, yes. with all the modded colors, like the, you know, the Ronald McDonald colors and like the, you know, purple <laughs> stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, and uh, I, I was just like, this is this is awesome. And I, I went into that event not not knowing whether or not I was going to be able to run anything because I didn't talk to anybody who was running the event. Fee was just like, just show up. He's like, I'll get you in. Don't worry. And I had like 16 people there for UMK3 and like everybody's standing around and we're like, you know, what's going on? We hadn't gotten anything. So finally, like, like L.I. Joe and like John Gallagher came over and they're like, oh, we're going to make this happen. Don't worry. <laughs> were they so the ones... Were they the ones was, running um, UMK3? I ran UMK3. Oh, you did? But okay. I, was, I was invited by Fee, who was also running the event. He was like, I promise I'll get you a table and chair. He's like, just bring your stuff. Brought the stuff. Had a great tournament. Uh, we had like an arcade stick as a prize. Um, there's video of it um, on my old website. It's probably spattered about on YouTube channels. Um, but that was that was a really fantastic event because we had like, like I said, I think it was like 16 players, which was you don't get that for games that people don't play. I really know. Uh, but Xbox Live Arcade was like not quite a year in, so you had that that like tidal wave of interest come in. There was like a hundred thousand people playing that. Um, you know that was uh, that was really special at that time, and it really really helped us you know build up. But that yeah, that guy Jet Fee, uh, he actually it was his fortieth birthday uh, not too long ago, and we had a get together at the break with a bunch of us. Uh, and the guy Todd and, you know, a few other people. But like I said, there's there's definitely other people. I don't know their names. Uh, but that scene was what got me the experience for running events. And we would, I would just, like, call up guys on Long Island and be like, hey, you guys want to come out to the break this week weekend? And we'll, you know, we'll do some UMK3. And that happened, like, a few times here and there. And like you said, and that was, uh, excuse me, that was Evil East. Um, going back real quick to NEC2. How many, yes. how many, um, how many players showed up in your estimation when you, it just the whole event overall? Do you, do oh, you maybe I have an estimation, or, yeah. or were you just yeah. like, you know, you were just, uh, just taking everything in? It's like, wow, I'm here well, at an I actual entered, offline event. Yes, uh, I entered in three tournaments. I was gonna enter Marvel Two, uh, and then I played some people in casuals before, and I was just like, there's no way. There's no way I can, I can, I'm not, not even going to have fun. I will officially bow out of Marvel 2 competition before I even start. But I did play CVS 2, X member Street Fighter, uh, who I, I actually played Flo in that tournament. Um, and then UMK3, the, uh, the Capcom versus SNK2 signups were at 132, I think. So I would say that there was maybe 150 people there wow roughly uh maybe 200 uh but there was massive overlap between marvel 2 and, and cvs 2 but i would say that definitely with the other games soul caliber and whatever tech and whatever else was there I, I would say at least 150 maybe 200 but definitely not more than that that place was jam-packed it was definitely a fire hazard um <laughs> and the tournament the CVS 2 for anybody listening who doesn't know uh, you think that like Dragon Ball Z takes a while to run CVS 2 is absolutely oh. real. I guess anybody who knows like uh, King of Fighters would definitely understand this yes um, CVS 2 takes forever 
it was run on two arcade cabinets. Two. Steve is here. He's uh, nodding his head because, you know, <laughs> KPB, we run KOF. And it's like, okay, when is this going to end? He, he's just laughing like crazy. He knows CVS, too, as well. So, yeah. trust it, me, we, we know. It's like, oh, boy, here we go. So, if I, I don't know what time the tournament started, but if it was Saturday and pool started at noon, which I'm just – you know that doesn't happen. But I'm just saying, like – if it was noon, it didn't end until, I want to say, Monday morning at, like, 3 a.m. That was how long it took. And it was almost run continuously. Two cabinets, 132 players. You're talking an average of 10 minutes per set easily. Was easily. there no um, console port that was arcade perfect at the time? Uh, I want to say... Jeez. I want to say there's a chance it might not have even been out for console yet. Because it was it, that game came out in 2001, right? Was it? Yeah, the, yeah, you're right. It did come out in 2001. But so the GameCube version hadn't been out yet, and everybody loves the GameCube uh, version. That's PS2, the quote-unquote arcade perfect version. Yeah. When was PS2, though? Whenever that would have come out. If that came out by December of one, then that would have been an option. But remember, the arcade was the standard at the time still. So even if, excuse me, even if there was, that really wouldn't matter. Um but I can't, I can't think. I think obviously Marvel 2 would have been out on Dreamcast. Um, I guess there could have been a, a CVS 2 for Dreamcast. But Dreamcast was the first one that we really started seeing more and more. Uh, well, Mar Marvel, Marvel 2, you know. Yeah. That, that was as, our, as arcade perfect as you could get. It's funny. You mentioned uh, arcade machines being brought to these things. And it, it, it just oh, is it amazing. I'm sorry? <laughs> it, was just, it, it was just in an arcade. It was at University Pinball. It was just a tournament oh. in an arcade. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought it was, it was like maybe a little bit convention center or no, hotel. No, no, no. Remember, this was 2001. We we that was like just not an option yet. We started though. Yeah, you're like right. 03. Yeah, 03 was when we started this little tiny. Well, yes, yeah, Biggie. He he was running at this tiny little hotel on uh, in Philly on off of uh, Penrose Avenue, uh, and this place was just notoriously just unclean we'll say never everybody knew it but we wanted to play video games so there's a one-star hotel oh man half star <laughs> minus five stars yeah <laughs> oh that's funny and actually you do mention that because yes now that i remember it i've actually recently found a youtube channel that has a lot of the old ecc videos there i, I think they sold dvds of this stuff and yes. yeah you're right they it wasn't an arcade i believe it was in the break and just seeing this place jam-packed full of people just goes yeah. to show you the passion that this community had even back mm -hmm. then. You know what? Arcades are gone. Let's do something. Let's take it. Let's find whatever arcades are available that have the yeah. games that we love. And there was a lot of passion. I mean, watching some of those videos, it really is amazing how, how, how much these games brought people together. Yeah. Uh, I believe it was like ECT. It would have been like ECT. Nine, I think it was like 2004. I want to say was whatever. I don't remember how the dates line up on this uh, with the numbers, but uh, the the fire marshal did have to come in and like rope off everything because you had so you have like a building where the middle of the building is divided by back to back arcade machines, and then you have arcade machines on the walls. So you just have these like tunnels that you go through. If anybody's been to like uh, Chinatown Fair, uh, it's packed. So imagine like Chinatown Fair, uh, like two of them basically side by side, and then you have the players, and then you have the people standing behind the players watching, and now you have back to back people who are watching games on, you know, both sides of the room, 
uh, and it was just it was just way too much. And it was I mean that was probably in June or something like that. So it was pretty it was pretty warm. Um, and uh, yeah, fire marshal had to rope us off and, and limit the uh, capacity on that because that was just there were just way too many people. There, there was probably three at least three hundred people for that one. And it's about the same size as University Pinball. So you, you mentioned uh, you mentioned uh, Chinatown Fair. Uh, how many times did you ever get a chance to go down there considering it was a big central hub for fighting games in New York? I know you're in Jersey, so it probably yeah. would have been a lot, a heck of a lot harder for you to get there. But if you've ever have, visited it, what are, what were your thoughts about it? So, yeah, uh, I got to go one time and I have a, a decent story, I guess you could say. Um, I'd heard so much about it and I was like, I got to go sometime, but it's like, it's in the city. I don't like going to the city. It's just, it's not my thing, but summoning, uh, whom I really only knew for like about a year and a half, I'd say at the time, uh, he was just like, bro, uh, we got to go, uh, we got to go play, um, uh, street fighter four, street fighter four just come out. It was like literally like August or like September. I think it was still very hot out. Um, they had it. And it was like gold. Like this is the new thing because it had been years since Street Fighter had come out, and there was all these like you know, doom and gloom. There never be another Street Fighter game, and it, re uh, it revitalized the FGC. It basically. revitalized everything. So we were like, let's go to Chinatown Fair. I was like, I've never been there, uh, and there was a it was like a sixty-five person wait, I think, for the oh, yes. to get on, and it was uh, it was a dollar to play, and it was a six win limit if i remember correctly yes so if you won six you had to get off now when um where we were in the line it we eventually got called to play and it was like uh summoning played and then like uh i think it was me next but our opponent was li joe and li <laughs> joe was on his uh his fifth win against summoning and then he was on his sixth win against me so he just let me win because he was going to have to get off no matter what. So then I got to play another guy, and then the third guy beat me. So I got my dollar out of it. That was <laughs> – if you want to go with quarters, I got my dollar out of it. I was like, okay. I was like, I've had enough of that. Where's Marvel? So, <laughs> so I found a Marvel 1 machine, and it was next to X-Men vs. Street Fighter. Uh, and I wound up playing that for about, I, I would say, like an hour and a half or so. I went something like 12 wins in a row against like a handful of guys. And the guy to my right, so I was on the player two side, and then the guy to my right was on the player one side of X-Men. And we were on for basically an identical amount of time, and I could just feel, like, the sweat pouring down. Uh, it was so hot, and playing, you know, 12 games in a row or whatever. But the entire time I'm playing, I hear this one guy behind me, he's just talking trash. And I'm, like, thinking to myself, I'm, like, I'm playing, like, mid-tier. I'm not going nuts. I'm beating all these top tier players who don't really know what they're doing. They just like see like the stuff, you know, posted online and they can't reproduce like a real winning strategy with like Strider Wolverine or like, you know, one of the Iron Man combinations. And I'm just playing Morgan Chun-Li. And I have this really nasty strategy with Chun-Li that's very hard to get around and I'm guaranteed they never saw it before, so they were all losing to it. So one guy just keeps saying, it's like, man, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know how to play. I don't know how he's still, I don't know how he's winning all these matches. And I'm like, just like laughing. And I'm like having a great time because that's, that was the arcade for me back in the day. And I remember this is 2008. Yeah. This is many years past already to have that like feeling again was so just like refreshing. And then I finally lost. And then the guy next to me lost and we turned and we looked at each other and we're just like wiping our face with our shirts. <laughs> and like we, we went and got drinks together. Cause it was like, you know, we were done. You know, that was, that was, uh, you know, one of the, 
one of the highlights, I guess you could say, of that, that time frame. For well, me. by but all um, means, it was an enjoyable yeah. experience going to Chinatown yeah. Fair. Yeah. You, you mentioned L.I. Joe. How long did you know him? Um, how, how, how many years did you know him up until, up until that point? Maybe like three, I would say. I definitely ran into him at some tournaments in like 04, 05, uh, maybe, maybe 05. And he was this like, he, he was this, uh, this, this like lone MK player. He played Human Smoke and he would just kind of like show up after the tournament and play and it would be like why did you not play in the tournament because like he was you know he was really good um and eventually we started getting him to play in the tournaments but that was definitely a few years before that but not too long but we had bonded enough i guess you could say over the old games and the fact that he grew up with uh with summoning he was a, a little kid and he was playing you know mk3 uh with them uh with, with his dad bringing him and he had to stand on the milk crate to uh to get to the controls so oh no trust cool. me i remember at a on the edge event that we did i mean again going mm -hmm. back to the vsm days i interviewed him and i heard all yeah. of those stories and yes he 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 knew those guys summoning james along for a long long time i heard the story of you know being put on the milk crate <laughs> the, the guy loves yeah. his fighting games you know i didn't know that though that he would actually not enter tournaments he would wait until the tournament Very is over early in, his, in the time that i knew him i guess he just he probably just wasn't really practiced in it that much and he's very competitive he doesn't you know he don't want to jump into something if he's not going to do well in it that's you know uh but then you know after like a couple of years and he, he he started playing umk3 then it was you know the rest was history that was uh that was a really um important step in getting the old games recognition because he started running ect and ect was a extreme proponent of the old mk games you know it's, i always find this funny uh speaking of li joe that a lot of people i mean it took it took uh what was it event hubs covering your first to ten we were there for that first to ten on the mk classic collection a lot yes. of people are surprised that he plays mk it's like well he's he's well versed in fighting games he's not yeah. a one-trick pony but yeah, I can I can sort of explain that it's because the the attention that the old MK games get is just it just wasn't nearly as much as the new popular games. There's plenty of players who do play other games and they're just known for being like he, he was known as a third strike player before, you know, Street Fighter four came out. Um, so that kind of like pigeonholes you as a player for a specific type of game. But I mean, he plays a lot of different games. So yes, he does. Um, yeah, uh, but his roots are MK. Like, he'll tell you that. Like that's his, that's the game. I guess MK3. I'm mean, sure he played MK2, but again, he was real. He's younger than me, so he's like, you figure eight, I guess, when like MK2 was was, you know, being played competitively. And that's you know, it's hard to play against a little kid like that, you know, and and take it seriously, um, you know. But that's where he cut his teeth, and that's you know. Learning a game at that, that young of age is going to make you very, very good. When Probably no matter how good your competition is. When Event Hubs uh, put you guys uh, that first to ten set on the front page, yeah. what was your reaction? Because it, it's rare for them to cover any of the old school Mortal Kombat yeah. games. We see a lot of I, Third Strike, you know, the Jazzy Circuit. Yeah, we see right. a lot of uh, Marvel 2 because that's, that's had a revival recently. But, again, yeah. seeing UMK3 – and event yeah. hubs the front page. I mean, that you must have been like, what? Wait, what? They remind. I thought that was 
just friggin' awesome. I mean, and then there's probably, I would say, threefold. It's because the nostalgia is very popular nowadays with everything. And, you know, talking about, like, the old stuff. Not even at the event. I mean, the event was, like, you know, six years ago. Um, but the game itself being old. Also, uh, you know, L.I. Joe being attached. I think there was, like, roughly, like, an anniversary to it, too. So there's, like, a few different reasons to kind of bring that. And I think also the guy who did the article was also, like, a fan. So that's, you know, that's also important. Um, but when I saw it, um, I was just like, you know, this is like such a great, like, uh, like acknowledgement, you know, that there was, you know, there was something there. Um, and it also, you know, you know, the scene could use, you know, a little bit of a boost. Any kind of exposure at this point. Yeah. And And by the way, way, I will say it, it was fun seeing that, but I suggest guys, please go and check out the Road to Evil um, exhibition he had with L.I. Joe at the old EC3. ECT3, uh... I believe it was. So much better than the one that Event Hubs did because, as we know, anybody who knows, the, the arcade collection isn't yeah. exactly the most the, perfect um, port, but it is the, the road, easiest to, you know, one. to take around with people. Yeah. The Road to Evil one was a tournament. That was the grand finals of, uh, of the Oh, it was. Yeah, that was an exhibition. Um, the um, the guy who was was it was Andy who who was running that? I can't remember. That was a long time. It was like ten <laughs> years it's, ago. It's ten years ago, man. We, we got invited uh, to run uh, like me, Phil, and you know Rob and everybody that was around at the time. They were like, we want you know we want UMK three because the you know little bit of hype that we had at ECT. Um, and I was like, okay, sure. So, you know, we did it. We did the, you know, the main chunk of the tournament, uh, probably up until like the top three. Uh, and then they moved us to the stream room. Uh, but it was like, I don't know if it was after Street Fighter 4 pools or Super Street Fighter 4 pools. But um, they were saying, because <laughs> you don't think people are going to like stick around and, and like watch. But like, it's the fact that L.I. Joe is playing number one in the top three. And it's also like, gotta be vaguely interesting to see like you know you have a, a tournament for a game that nobody really knows like why are they running this number one and what can be done in this game number two uh so i think that was very important but i know that we had something like four thousand people watching i think yeah and like this is in the infancy of streaming at the time it's like was 2010 so really it was happening but it wasn't really you know a common thing yet um but yeah so like you know, Joe and, and Simon, AC nineteen eighty four. He was playing. He was playing on keyboard too. So everybody was like, you know, oh, in the room. You know, and, and if you watch that video, you see all the people who are there. How many people are still around in the scene who were there in that room that day? It's like a who's who of like the elites in the scene. Yes. Uh, it's just a fantastic, especially the reactions. The reactions is fan- just a fantastic video for this nothing game essentially at the time. You know, and boom, you know, right to the top. I will say one thing about that set that always stuck out to me. The last, it always comes down to the last round. I think that is the only competitive MK game I've ever seen. The match, excuse me, not the game. Yeah. That it actually ended in a timeout. The timeout. Because that yeah. game moves so fast. You know, people say Marvel yes. 2 moves fast. Play UMK3. Actually, play MK Trilogy. That yeah. moves just as fast. Yes. For that to basically finish in a timeout and that room exploded. I'm never going to forget that. That, that, that was so ridiculously awesome. Um, yeah, to get a time over, again, like, it really – Joe and I have a certain play style, and we know each other very well. And it's, even at the time, um, you don't normally see time overs in, in UMK. You can jab somebody in the corner in, like, 20 seconds. And yes. they're, you know, even if they block the whole time and their leg bar is gone. Um, but um, 
to, to get a time over like that means that you're moving around a lot. We were using teleporters, so it's like, you know, the, the, every hit's just like little one, two hits here and there. A little chip down. Uh, yeah, and then I remember hearing the clock going, and I was like, oh, come on. I was like, this is ridiculous. Was, I was like, right there. Like, you know, it was, and he teleports at that last second. And if we had like two seconds left, he was at the perfect like trajectory that I would have blocked it and just punished in one. And of course, <laughs> he had to have done that on purpose because I know. <laughs> no joke. Absolutely. He's like, I'm going to give it to you, but you're not going to get to do it. When did you when did you decide to you wanted to become a, a streamer or an organizer of um you know basically everything MK cuz by all means you are the go-to Mortal Kombat streamer here in this area for Big E or for any other big events going on. When did you yeah, when did you decide, you know, to basically take that route? So um I've always been interested in doing production ever since I was a little kid. I used to do um, I don't know how you would describe it. I guess like like my friends and I, we, we would get together and I'm talking at like eight years old. We, we would make like, uh, I guess you would kind of call them like unboxings. Like we would have like games and like toys and stuff. We would do like reviews of things. It was like this kind of hodgepodge thing that we would do. Uh, and again, like we were really young, but I was like scripting things already at that time. Like this was like something that, was honestly just never nurtured in my life and i wish i had um but i really like doing production and it's just that over the years you get you know caught up in other things especially with pro wrestling is like i wish that i could like produce shows and wrestle on them but there's no way you can <laughs> really do that um so you kind of have to choose and what i did with the gaming thing was i was like i'm never gonna be good at anything new that comes out i absolutely accepted that but i do love the scene i do want to be a part of it so that's when i started getting more involved in running the uh, events and coordinating the mortal Kombat uh, events especially after mk9 came out because we had that build for like it was getting close to 10 years with the classics where we started seeing you know like 32 players showing up for events and hanging out all weekend and we needed multiple setups and it was really starting to build and then all of a sudden MK9 came out and that basically went away over time. So then I decided, I was like, okay, the streaming is getting big. We need to really get involved with this. And I sort of, I, I, I don't know if I'm taking credit for this, but I kind of put uh, 995 Phil on the path to start doing streams. And at the same time, when that started building, I started a new job with Summoning. And we were kind of building a company at the time. And I really didn't have any time to focus on it but from day one i wanted to do the streaming that was very very important uh and then it took a few years and we started doing it um but uh it, it wasn't something that i could like make a career out of uh so it was like a very slow build to acquire you know decent equipment you know here and there like we kind of had decent stuff in the beginning but then like it, we weren't used so much that it warranted us like really like you know digging our heels and like kpb has got like fantastic just you know fantastic setup going and i just st like stuck around and they just kept using me like I, that's really kind of that was it like he was just like yo dog i need you for another event i was like oh okay what was <laughs> so the like first event you worked uh where i where i was like organized yeah like, right uh i i mean ec oh, sorry nec three uh, four 
Wow. NEC four, I think, was the first one that I really was like responsible for like running a tournament. I guess you could say. And it was just for the classic MK stuff. It wasn't anything crazy. Um, didn't really get a lot of people. Uh, we had to run like trilogy, I think it was on like PlayStation. You know, it was just it was complicated back then. You didn't really have like even like computers in general. Like couldn't really emulate uh, like they, MK3. they couldn't emulate arcade um, arcade yeah. boards yet. Not fully was, the way it's going it was, on now. Uh, yeah, they just weren't. I mean, I'm sure if I, I if I could have dropped like five thousand dollars on a PC back then, I could have gotten something that could have done it. Uh, but that's irresponsible. <laughs> Why would you do that? At like at like 22 years old, you know, go and buy like crazy PC to run a game that's already old at that time. Um, and it's and it's then, not as if you're going to be running a tournament every weekend. This is something exactly. that you would you would invest in something that would probably be used once every four every four months exactly. or five at most. Mm-hmm. And, so, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead and finish, finish that. Oh, uh, so, yeah, so we um, we eventually, uh, when there was, like, this kind of, like, break in technology, I guess it was when, like, the Pentium 4 came out. And again, showing Ooh, my Pentium 4, I remember how big oh, that was. Yeah, I want to say the Pentium 4, that was when they started hitting, like, the gigahertz. Um, <laughs> they... Uh, <laughs> That was, uh, I remember getting like an AMD uh, computer at the time, and uh, it was really, it was really solid, and that's when we started actually bringing a computer and a CRT, and like, we were starting to get sticks, Uh, we had controllers and stuff here and there, and that's when we really started like piecing together, like the classic MK stuff, that was, that was like a, a pivotal moment, was when we could actually like have like, uh, like a, an arcade type experience for the game. Instead of just having to run, like, you know, console, like, you know, garbage ports and stuff like that. That just wasn't going to be acceptable. Um, so, uh, so that was, that was, I mean, oh God, that was a long time ago already. Um, yeah, so what, that's my, yeah. you know, we're, um, we're here reminiscing about this stuff and it's just like, geez, how, how long have you been doing this now? Well, next year will be 20 years. 20 yeah. years. So, God. like, I, I went for, like, two years just to play, and then and then basically Biggie was, was like, can you can you help me get, like, people to play MK? And there were MK games still coming out at the time, but they just, they couldn't, like, get people to come out. And I, I don't know how to describe it, because, like, MK Deadly Alliance was so different. It was yes, so it was. different and contemporary in terms of, like, it was a completely new engine. It was completely redesigned graphics. It was, you know, very robust. Um, we just could not get people to come out. Brady, Tom Brady was, was very, very um, eager to get people to come out for them because he loves MK. He loves the, you know, franchise. Just, I don't know. It was, again, you, you went from Deadly Alliance, Deception, Armageddon, uh, DC Universe, nothing. Is it Nothing. because That's the series problem. at the time, during that time, I mean, listen, for as much crap as, as they get, the, the games did make money, but from a Absolutely. competitive point, it, was Casual it just seemed as a joke at the time? You know, no matter how much they tried, you know, you had DC versus MK, you had Jug, um, Mortal Kombat Armageddon, um, yeah. all, all that stuff. What, was it just seemed like a joke at the time, the series? I think I, I think that, that Deadly Alliance would would have been the game to really bring mk into like the the fgc i mean we didn't call it that at the time but like our concentrated gatherings of gaming like you would think that like this is a game doesn't have net play it's brand new 
you would think that it would have done it. And I remember the first tournament we did was uh, NEC3. It had just come out, I think. It was very new, like maybe a couple weeks. And uh, we had like a handful of players, but like it, it just like was totally underwhelming. And as a matter of fact, I remember like it was Tom Brady and like, I can't remember who, who the other guy was, but they, they literally showed me like a Sonya combo and like one little strategy and it like worked like a charm. <laughs> it was like really, and I'd never even touched the game before and it got me like kind of far into the tournament. Um, how, but, long uh, were, how long were you guys running Deadly Alliance and with, with the low, low numbers where nobody was showing any kind of interest? When did you guys uh, decide, you know what, this just isn't working. Maybe there's mo there's just more interest in the older classic MKs, MK2, UMK3, yeah. where you just said, you know what, it's not worth our time. It's not worth our time lugging around all this equipment. It's not worth the headache of, you know, so okay, the, six people showed yeah. up. That's great. We love that, but it's just, it's yeah. not worth it. When did you guys realize that? So for me, like, I felt like the the reigns were already going to be taken over by that community. Uh, and they didn't do anything. They, there's really no other way to explain it. Like they, they didn't show up. They didn't bring systems. They didn't bring, you know, monitors or CRTs or whatever at the time. Um, there was just not a thing to be had. And the fact that like people just weren't showing up for the new game was very confusing. And I remember at the time, like you didn't have all this history to base on like, attendance just wasn't there um but I, I i mean i witnessed like one deadly alliance tournament and then i heard about a couple of deception tournaments there was there wasn't any c where we ran deception um but i think i wasn't there for one of the days if i remember correctly i, I remember there being a tournament for it but i wasn't there for it and i know that brady was there and, and jop and like a couple of people if i remember correctly this is like 15 years ago um, but after that, I mean, there was nothing for Armageddon, not a single, not a single even inkling of a tournament. Uh, and then Brady tried again with, uh, with the DC universe tournaments. And he asked me to help him at that point. Cause this was, again, you're talking between O2 and like O8, I guess. When did, is that, does that sound right? Yeah, it does. DC. Um, so you got this gap five, six years of him coming to tournaments, seeing more people every tournament showing up for MK3, and then we started building an MK2 scene on top of the MK3 scene, and then we started building an uh, Arcade Killer Instinct scene on top of that. So he's seeing this like classic arcade scene really taking shape, and here he is trying to push these new games, and he's like, why are people not coming out for the games? And I, I sat down with him at one of the tournaments. I'm like, dude, I'm like, you, if you want these games to happen, you got to advertise. you got to bring this stuff to run it. And he was like, I got a guy, because we were in the Sheridan in Philly. Right. He's like, I got a guy. He lives in Philly. He's like, he can bring some equipment out. He's like, can we get this done? I was like, let's do it. And again, no advertising. You're not going to get anybody out. Um, you know, and then DC Universe didn't see a real tournament. in my. I mean, I know there had to have been had to have been tournaments for it, but nobody talked about it. Uh, not until MK9 was announced. MK9, like, really was the game that everybody was just like, we gotta come out for this. This is it. Gotta, you know, get off the pot here. This is, you know, this is the game people are gonna play. So then in the interim, you have a handful of people who are like, you know what? Let's just give 
DC Universe is running. We had like a really good DC Universe tournament. It, it, it was like NEC 11, so, like 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, that was good. That was very good. And we had a really great UMK3 tournament that weekend. It was like 32 players and the top, top players at the time in the U.S. Uh, and then we had another DC Universe tournament in Winter Brawl, and then MK9 came out like the month, two months later or something. Before we get into MK9 and what that game meant for um, the series and uh, uh, as we call it, the NRS community nowadays or the MK community, why don't you take us in into the, the Long Island scene? I know you, Phil, uh, Dark Rob, and a few others, you guys were running a lot of classic MK stuff out there for a few years. Um, yeah. You know, why don't you, why don't you talk about that a little bit? Take us into that. Like, who organized yeah. that stuff? How did you guys all get together? And how long did yeah. you run it for? So, um, I was always big with working with people who wanted to get stuff done rather than competing against them. Because you have people who like they get very territorial, and it's like we want to be the ones who run stuff. And as much as people look at me as like the guy who ran the MK stuff, I was always about letting people take the reins and seeing if we could build off it. And unfortunately it's just a nature of the beast. You have the snowball effect. People get picked up, people fall off the long Island scene. I attribute to the fact that I was running with LI Joe and John Gallagher when they were building up their third strike scene, the re the re you know, the rebirth of third strike around 2007. Right. And, 995 Phil started catching wind of events. So far as I know, I don't know if I have this exactly right. Um, but he contacted, you know, I think it was John. And I know he contacted me on my old Ultimate MK site uh, that he wanted to run tournaments. Um, so he started running tournaments. I already had guys from Long Island coming out to Jersey every now and then. Um, and also having Summoning, who's from Long Island, he's another you know, contact. So I, I, here I am, this guy from Jersey, and I got all these Long Island people. I'm like, well, screw it. I'm just going to run stuff on Long Island because the people are already there. Why am I going to get, you know, 15 <laughs> you, you, people? You see to... a good influx of players coming from Long exactly. Island. So it's like, let's just have it over there. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we didn't stop entirely here, but like we, you know, we did like start getting together. There was like a few in Rio, MK Rio. He, um, you know, he, he was a, a big driving force in getting uh, people to, I guess, take the game seriously because he's such a good player. And he also moved on, you know, with MK9. It, it had like a uh, like a paradoxical effect. Like, oh, this guy is really good at MK9, but he's also really good at the old games. And he's very young. He's only like 18 or 19 at the time. Oh, yeah. Real, um, anybody who's ever seen him play, we know how much of a beast he is. Yes. So... <laughs> All of that, like, wrapped up into this, like, side attraction for these games. And then Phil was running under the Castle Golf events, kind of like co-running, I guess you could say, because, like, you know, we, we just wanted people to come out and play. And we also did the events from his house, uh, and we would stream uh, a little bit here and there. Uh, and he and Rob, you know, they, like, spearheaded that VSM movement, which was such an organic concentration of players it was just a fantastic again like lightning in a bottle like that's i was there every thursday trust me i, I saw it and that uh, you, you can say because i was only there a handful of times you were only again. there if i remember maybe four times maybe yeah maybe more but yeah it was not many um <sighs> but uh i i you know 
you know, tried my best to make sure that that, you know, kept going and, and keep the motivation and everything. Um, the, the turnouts were just like something like, again, it was like the old arcade days. It was yes. very similar, but everything being on console is being the only difference. Um, but um, but seeing you know people just uh, making those connections and and like really forming like that community and like there's like brotherhood all this stuff is so important for developing a scene uh, and I just I don't know I don't know how how you could reproduce that today um, you can't you know every, you so really can't be, yeah uh, and 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 the quality of players there I mean you would have a night at VSM and the top eight for like a 24 player VSM tournament, you would see most of those guys in the top eight at a major or whatever you would call a major at the time, you know, myself, um, not included. You know, I went there for the beer and wings. <laughs> no, trust me. I know if, uh, if nobody, especially people who played MK nine, because again, that, that game was so big for this community VSM. It really truly was a special place. Like you said, every week, even on days where we would only get 12 players, some of yeah. the people who would just go out there and play, it's some of the world's top best players. And like you said, even the 24-person tournament, the one night I did interview you over there, I mean, we, we had close to 30, 32 people there. I remember that That's night cool. very, very well. And it's a we, week. Yeah, it was a weekday. It was Thursday nights. And the fact of the matter is, I, you know, the guys who owned the store, the Gamer's Edge, they actually had to shut down the power on us. We yeah. were all willing to give them an extra $20 because I'm pretty yeah. sure everybody wanted to stay there until 6 in the morning. That scene, oh, yeah. that, that scene was just beautiful. It really was. Some of the best times of my, of my life within the FGC were at VSM. Yeah, it's just a special, special thing. And I, I firmly believe, and I know... Uh, it's funny, like there's just people's like perceptions and like uh, how how they they think about a person, you know, what their you know opinion is. Uh, I feel without VSM that MK9 would not have gotten the traction that it did in the scene. I really, really believe that. Uh, it was a dependable stream every week, uh, hundreds of viewers every week. I know I like w went back and like looked at all the old stats for the website like a couple of years ago just to see i was just like oh, i'm curious like you know because I, I i didn't really get like that info that feedback and as a person who is like because vsm was under the banner of combat network it was yes. it was an extension of it and i i felt like too remote at times from it um especially because like this is a brand that i developed out of other brands uh, and it kind of combat network kind of like fell into my lap after an attempt to like unite the scene failed, I guess you could say. And I was just like, well, we got this idea. I'm not letting it go. Um, and, you know, developing, you know, into VSM, super, super important. The the main reason for that, I feel, is that it set a bar for players who were across the country uh, to to like we got to beat these guys and develop our own little you know like a, i think it was like texas and arizona well Ohio, at the, at the height know. of mk9 so at the height of mk9 everybody basically said there, there were two scenes it was vsm and there was galloping ghost arcade i forget are they in ohio or they're, they're in the midwest uh, but yeah. li like you said oh, yeah. vsm yeah. was such a driving force and i, I know it, you know it, it's mk9 not many people, it, this is, you know, Street Fighter 4 is out, MK9, 
had its big following. But like you said, without VSM, that game probably would not have achieved what it achieved. Because I always remember um, the GGA, Galloping Ghost Arcade crew, they they played against the VSM crew at an exhibition at one of those, uh, maybe it was the yeah. season beatings. And everybody from that community was watching because these were the two biggest communities. And then, like you said, here comes Texas, uh, Arizona, which I believe that's where Detroit Balling was at. He was trying to organize. And, yeah, Scar from Texas. But, again, it, it's VSM, then it's GGA, then it was everybody else. That, that scene was ridiculously important for the growth of that game, for the growth of the community, by all means. Yep, absolutely. I think everything spawned from there. After Injustice, definitely it, there's, it just – became its own animal there's no you know there's no doubt about that but i i don't think anything would have happened for mk if, if it didn't if it didn't happen by mk9 i don't think it ever would have built nothing nothing like what it was um but the the injustice scene was like it was similar but you could feel like the the drifting i guess you could say it yes. started real like yeah but that's what happens when a scene actually has growth and there is real like development and also some of the players from vsm they started like breaking off into their like more elite you know groups and it wasn't you know as important uh the stream was also just not as consistent it just wasn't there all the time um you know but again looking at it from a person like developing a brand uh and in the sparest of spare time like i really 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 wish i could do more um but it just you know just doesn't just doesn't happen um i remember but, uh, interviewing you all those many years ago were you part of the uh mk9 development team did they did you get i don't know i don't know if it was you i know tom brady said he was there because i remember he interrupted our our little interview but did were you part of the group of players yeah i was uh one of the um invited um i would i guess you would just call it like qa like but we were we were told we were coming in as balance testers, which to us sounds like we're gonna scrutinize the gameplay and we're gonna try to make this like a good game. But it was sort of like a mix between bug testing and like um, the game's like uh, integrity, meaning like is this like gonna be something that's playable? Not so much of like uh, this move is too fast, this move is too powerful, you know, things like that. Is it because they didn't understand that terminology? They did, but that's just, uh, to, in my opinion, they they had heard enough uh, of people saying that the games need to be tested, and they were like, let's just appease the community. And there was a lot of pushback internally. Now, from what I know, Brady was testing for a while. He was testing like as early as like late 2010, uh, which would have been probably three or four months before we came out there. Right. Uh, and uh, I was on a, a ride home from NEC. It was NEC, to, yeah, 2010. Uh, and I was driving um, Czech, who's uh, Czech uh, 4900, I believe he goes by. Mm -hmm. um, he is a, a combo artist, uh, yes, very is. well known. Mm -hmm. um, he, uh, he went to the event, and uh, I'm driving him home. And he says to me, and I don't know if he had, like, information or he just blurted it out, but he says to me, he's like, I really think we're going to do something big, man. I really think that we're going to, like, be involved somehow, like, with the new MK. And I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, that doesn't even sound, like, remotely feasible to me. Because <laughs> you, don't, you don't think about, like, you think Warner Brothers, right? You don't think that, like, this is just a company that Warner Brothers has make a game. 
Yes. You know, you think about it as something much larger than what it is, and not obviously not taking anything away from NetherRealm. It's another thing to be like, this is a company in crunch time. They want to make sure their game is good. We got to get some pro players out here to kind of put the seal of approval on it. That's kind of what I thought we were going out for, but it, not exactly. So anyway, getting to the point here, Brady was the driving force for getting out more players. And I believe, I mean, I don't know what kind of contacts or what kind of, you know, inside, you know, baseball that Tim Static had at the time, but he definitely had uh, prior knowledge because uh, I was sitting in my car about to get go to the bar one night and I get a text from Tim Static, and he goes, expect an email within the next 24 hours. <laughs> and I was like, what does that mean? I was like, what? And then uh, I actually got a phone call the next day at work uh, from, um, at the time he was working, uh, uh, Hector um, San- Sanchez, right? Yes, Hector, Hector Sanchez, Sanchez the, um, yes. the NRS guy. Uh, what was he yeah, works in he quality like or something? Developer, you know, or whatever they would call it. He, he was one of the high-up guys with Paulo at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, they used uh, to always be on the stream together. They actually always. would sit down and, and, and watch the stream. They cared. They really cared. Yes, they did. Um, and Hector was like, hey, he's like, um, we're, we're recruiting testers. And everybody that I've talked to so far, because it was basically like a chain. Like Brady was like, you got to get out this guy and this guy or whatever. And then they would talk to those guys. And then that they, he was like, do you have any suggestions? Okay, you got to get out this guy. He said, every single person he talked to said that we got to get you out here. I was like, that's a really like, you know, it's a really nice, you know, gesture from all the guys mm-hmm. that were, you know, picked to, to test. So I w- I'm assuming I was like the last one that they called in. Uh, and he's like getting into everything and real, you know, like setting everything up. And he's like, oh, wait a second. He's like, you do want to do this, right? I was like, hell yeah. I was like, get to get the test of Mortal Kombat game. Like that's something I never even, never even would have expected. And here it is. um, How many of you guys were there? There was like nine of us. I, let me think. Okay. So we had like a non-disclosure at the time. We all took it very, very seriously. Uh, And then as you know, with injustice, it was complete, just that everybody was just, you know, (laughs) letting everything fly. We, we, you know, we, we treated it like it was, as Band the testers. As it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so it was me, uh, Brady, and Czech, um, which we all had the same flight because we're all from Jersey. Yes. Um, and so we all showed up at the airport and we're all like sitting there like, oh, <laughs> funny meeting you here because we didn't talk to you. We didn't know. Um, and then uh, it was Conqueror from Utah. Yes. Um, and then Mo 30W and Thrower from Chicago. Yes. Jason Wilson, uh, who is an MK2 guy, uh, and he's still he runs an arcade now in like Tennessee. I want to say I think Tennessee. Um, yeah, he was out there, and then Crazy Bone from San Diego. I think I've he heard is. of him. Yes. Yeah, he was. A, he's a TYM uh, founder. Um, and I don't know if I'm missing anybody else. I think that's about it. Is that Storms roughly? wasn't there, was he? Who's that? Storm. No, no, no. <laughs> um, so that was basically the the community crew, and then we had uh, there was a couple salaried testers who didn't really they had almost no part in anything that was going on. Um, but yeah, we we tried to we tried to apply like as as basic logic as possible uh, without having them requiring them to change much of anything. 
so we would just tell them like uh, this just needs to be slowed down. This needs to do more damage. This needs to do less damage. You know, this character's too you know the, too, too many frame traps. You know, and it just started compounding and compounding, and then they started getting mad at us because like we were being a little <laughs> bit too you know it, it, like uh, you know too. Um, just a pro about it i guess you could say yes like we just they we you got you guys were looking at it from a competitive side you weren't looking at it as jimmy online who's gonna you know be playing when that's why we thought we were there we thought we were there for that but we weren't so it was you know how long again, were you guys the, there for and how many hours a day were each were um each one of you guys working were you working with different teams was uh maybe one of you was assigned to hey um, you know tell us what maybe there's a graphic that's off or was it all just gameplay um that yeah, you guys okay. were all specifically there for it was a mix we were there for four and a half days four, four and a half not, days four and a half days which is not a lot um no. we were only we were only slated to work like a normal work day but they were like you guys don't have to go home if you don't want to uh, and we'll pay you overtime. So we were like, okay, no problem. <laughs> so we worked from like roughly like 10 a.m. to like 1 a.m. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just playing. And it was like once it hit the, like the end of the day, like the actual work day, then we could really like just kind of like do what we wanted. Um, but they gave us like a little bit of bullet points to like look at certain aspects of the game and certain – they had like a short list of like the things they knew that was really wrong. But there were things that we were finding that – because of our like OCD, like we could not get past. So like we're trying to play real matches, which was not supposed to be a focus. Um, and we're like, look, like we can't play a real game because there's this like certain uh, just uh, like horrific like uh, um, advantage that a character will have. And it's like, can you guys fix this? Because they were fixing stuff and giving us updates. Um, I mean, not you know, in real time, but like, they'd be like, Hey, we're going to do another update today. We're going to try to put, you know, whatever, you know, you suggested or however they would have phrased it to us. Cause that honestly really didn't happen too much. Um, but, uh, eventually they had to have like a sit down with us and it was like, guys don't, you can't be working together. Can't be playing against each other. And that lasted for like the rest of that day. And then it kind of just went like, you know, went back to that. Did that um, sort of sour your view on the way gaming development is? Because, you know, in the last few years, in the last few, you know, last year, last few years, decade, so many people yeah. are looking at game development and they're starting to see it's like, you know, it's not fun. Um, no, nobody is. is there really to yeah. try to enjoy themselves, at least people who, you know, because testing, especially by pro gamers, is so prevalent now. But for you, yeah. even at that time, Again, you said four and a half days. They got mad at you because you guys were basically – you guys were doing what you knew. It's like you want us to test this game, so obviously I'm going to be playing against somebody else. Okay, it's going to be in a competitive scene, but we're still yeah. doing it for the betterment of people at home. Did that sour – did that sour you on, you know, how game development goes? I'll tell you, I'll tell you when I did get soured was when one of the guys – I don't know – God, I can't remember everybody's names. I want to say it was like John. John's. I can't remember what the hell his name is. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so Brady comes up to me and he's like, "Shock, shock! Can you?" He's like, "Can you come with me real quick?" He's like, I, "We got to talk to the to the like programmers or something like that because like this is bad." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay." I was like, "I didn't know what was going on." So we went to the side room where there's just like a, you know a handful of like guys like you know doing I guess the programming or whatever. And then Brady just says. 
to the whole room. He's like, hey, guys, uh, can we talk to somebody who can, like, change something about this game? Because it's unplayable. <laughs> I, was just like, oh, I remember that. I remember him talking out. about yeah. that. That was awesome. <laughs> I walked out. I walked out of the room, and I was like, we're done. I'm like, we're getting we're, – they're going to ship us off, and we're, we're done. <laughs> um, and uh, that's when Hector had to, like – he blew up at us. He was really pissed about that. Um, but then uh, between that was when I got soured. Now, Hector doing that was totally understandable. I, I have absolute understanding of the, the way that kind of business works. But the other guy said to us, he's just like, you guys – he's like, I don't know why you think you're here. He's like, but you're, you're not going to change anything. And I was just like, what? I was like, I, like, I thought we were here. And this is me talking to him. I'm like, I thought we were here to balance test this game. I'm like, why are we here? And that's when I was like, I need to know. Because I'm not going to waste my time trying to find yeah. Infinite and, you know, like, Why are you there? Track. Exactly. You were invited. He's like, hey, let's yeah. bring Shock in. He knows what he's talking about. And for yeah, somebody to tell you, it's like, yeah. you guys were not brought in for this. It's like, so, so why am I here for? Somebody please that's explain better. it to me. He, he, Hector said to me when I was on the phone with him, you know, about coming in, he was like, uh, I've researched your stuff. He's like, I wouldn't be talking to you if I didn't think that you should be here, like, legit, I think he said. Um, so that, that made me think that, like, oh, cool. Like, we're really going to be able to scrutinize the game. And once I heard that from him, uh, not Hector, from the other guy, um, once I heard that, I was just like, okay, so this is still cool, right? It's cool, still cool experience, but it's not what I thought it was going to be. We did find things in the game, though, just naturally. Like, the way, the way like, gamers, like, pick up on little things here and there. Like, ooh, that was weird. Like, let me go and try, like, you know, see if I can reproduce that, you know. Like, that kind of stuff, like, we did. Like, I, I found this one bug for, um, it was, uh, it had to do with the cinematic, like, the transition from, like, the gameplay to, like, the cinematic for the x-rays. Yes. Um, were they called x-rays in that? Yeah, yeah they were called x-rays. Um, so I was messing around with uh, Quan Chi, and I noticed because they they asked us specifically. They were like, "Can you guys try the tag mode out?" Because they really just wanted to make sure that the tag mode was like was functional. Because that's something that's can be can be very very easily broken. Um, there, there's a reason why that was not a tournament mode, <laughs> you know. Um, so I'm I'm playing as Quan Chi, and uh, I I think I had noticed like something about the um, the cinematic mode and being able to like move the character so then i i was like oh wow i was like you can you can move the other character while he because he threw he throws like a skull at you in yes, that sir. one mm -hmm. and there's like this little there's this little animation that happens and i i noticed on the other side that the character could move and i was like oh i'm like that's that's bad so <laughs> i went to tag mode and i'm like <laughs> I, I'm like, can I tag out in between? And you could. So he would throw the skull, and you could tag that guy out, and then the next character would come on and take the rest of the damage for the X-ray. So in tag mode, you could, like, if you if you had, like, time right, you could trade that out there. And then I tried to see if you could hit him before he killed you, which you could, I think, with Ermac. I think you could do the, the, the force push. I think you could hit him with that. Um, you wouldn't. I don't think there's any way to test that. I don't think that came out in the original. I don't think that was in the original release, which would have been like the day one, no patch. They probably took it out before that. Um, but I'm pretty sure that you could hit Quan Chi, um, but he wouldn't like, he would only take damage. But I'm sure that you could kill him though, which would have been a terrible bug to have on day one. But things like that. And there was some kind of like, um, 
like Sub Zero glitch where like if you did like the ice clone in the corner, like the character would be like stuck on the upper half of the plane, so they'd be like walking like like the Sub Zero be down here and like they would be like walking above them. <laughs> they got rid of that immediately because that's obviously to like a, a programmer or developer like that cannot be in the game. That's you know looks terrible. Uh, you know who cares if you know uh, Liu Kang can frame trap you with a two hit combo it's you know <laughs> that's well, neither here nor there so um, you know you, you did that you went and uh, tested the game if you want to look at it mk9 yeah. comes out mk9 is a huge success you know they completely revamped the storyline the storyline for mk9 was really amazing very well done but yeah. what that game did for the competitive scene you were there you know uh how how much interest did from the community itself, you know, the, the, the MK community that was, that was, that you already knew existed again, like, like a lot of people, again, don't really understand the impact it had, especially for an offline competition. Again, you were there. Was it right away? Did you notice, man, this game is just going to revitalize everything for us. Like street fighter did for the community in general for the FGC. Excuse me. Yeah. I, so I was realistic about it because you know, like people who love the NRS scene on like a like it's a different level. Like I I I love the scene as like a whole, uh, but then there's people who like get personally offended if the game's not properly respected, and it's up to the community to make sure that happens. So early on, and MK9 was getting decent numbers. I think I want to say like we had like in the, like the 70s roughly, which was yeah. like for you know for the time you know that was a pretty decent turnout for anything i mean you know like street fighter it was getting like 250 players or whatever for you know i expected that you know um then like we hit like 90 at seasons beatings i was like wow i'm like this is really starting to take off like this is finally going to be the game and then as soon as the like injustice announcement came everybody just kind of like i mean there was like a little bit of like a last hurrah we had at that nec um, but, like, I could tell, like, okay, this is a new community, like, to, to like, fighting games, in, uh, I should say, like, the scene, not maybe to fighting games in general, but there were a lot of people, actually, who were new to fighting games for MK9 and Injustice yes. in general. Um, so you have people who don't really, like, know, like, the etiquette uh, and also, like, just willing to drop a game for another game. So with the Street Fighter community... It's weird, like, we had, we still had a scene for, like, Third Strike and, and CVS2 and, and, like, uh, you know, Super Turbo. Like, all these old games, they just have these scenes that aren't going to go away. Um, but then, like, Street Fighter 4 was around for, I mean, it was around for how long? Like, without another game. Seven years? With, yeah. So, there was nothing in the, um, in the Street Fighter franchise to compete with it directly. So, you have, like the Marvel games and everything like that are just, they're just going to have their own base. They're just going to be there. And I noticed it with MK nine. I was like, God damn it. This is how it's going to be. They're going to be, all these players are going to go away. And then we're going to get another wave of new players in. And then injustice had a really, really, really big turnout for basically every tournament, I think for that whole season. And then when they announced the next MK gone. Yeah. They're all so, gone. That to me, like this, is important in terms of the impact that the the games have. Um, they just don't really, they don't have staying power, and there's a reason for that, and it's because of the cycle of how fast they come out with new ones. 
Um, I don't know if Street Fighter could possibly pull that off, though, and still maintain that, like, you know, shining popularity. And as we can see with Street Fighter V, it didn't. It's just not the same. It really isn't. And I don't know if it's because people are just more accepting to play online. Um, it's just not. It's just totally, totally different. Street Fighter Four. it's like the, the genesis of the, of the scene in general. Not just Street Fighter, but like, boom. And then Street Fighter Five feels kind of like Exodus to me. It's like not really, you know, it's, it's not good. Um, I felt like every time for the MK or for the NRS games that we had that. We had the boom and then gone every single time. And it's like, where's the, where's the MK? Where's the MK stuff? What happened? And, and, and unfortunately, <laughs> because, again, you're known as the NRS streamer in these parts of the country, you have no choice. That, that's, yep. just the way, that's just the way things are because nobody like, – yeah, once yeah. everybody abandoned MK9, it's not – I mean, you guys sometimes run MK9 tournaments, but I'm pretty sure you've completely dropped them. And it, but again, yeah. you have no choice because we all know everybody goes migrating from one MK game to the next Injustice game, Injustice game to MK, and then to the next Injustice and game. And I understand that. Yeah, I understand. There's no, um, you know, there's no, it's no fault of the community, I guess, but more is like this company, NRS, is going to, re- they're going to release their games because they have, you know, they have to do it. It's part of their, you know, contract. Um, but they're not, they're not making games for competitive players. They're making games to be sold by the millions. Yes. So there's no, you know, there's no excuse to, to like, to saddle yourself with the demands of like a handful of players. Um, if they want to play the game, they're going to play it. Uh, I, you know what? I gave somebody an example of like how, how much people scrutinize the engines for the MK and the Injustice games. And you have some people who really, really love them. And then you have, I think, a lot of people who don't, but they just play it anyway. Um, If you were to make a different game with the MK engine that they've been using, uh, I don't think anybody would have a problem. They would be like, oh, wow. Like, take any other franchise, like, obviously, like, with, like, Ninja Turtles. If you made a whole Ninja Turtles game using the, either the MK or the Injustice engine, I think people would look at the game differently i think it would have more of an interest but there's this standard with the mk cast like the the you know i guess the source material and the dc characters where everything has to be at this like high level that they're never ever gonna get because that's not why they're making these games is really what it comes down to is street fighters different like they are trying to make a game that's wildly competitive that's definitely a thing well they have their own um e-league basically yeah yeah uh, but the um, the issue with, say, Street Fighter is that there has been a watering down that's really affected it. And, you know, a lot of the older players just, you know, they look at it like this is, uh, you know, it's just making a, a more, it's making more availability to the casual player. And that's not going to get tournament turnout it's just ne- the people are never ever going to do it so it doesn't make any sense to us why why they would like make all these things especially like comeback factors and stuff like that but the um, thing is i've always that's always been an interesting argument that i've always had with a few people well if you open it up to the casual crowd it's not doing us any favors but i mean the competitive scene is still going to be there 
just because yeah. the game has been made more simpler, it's not as if, oh my god, well, why should we even play this game if it means a whole bunch of casual players are going to come in? Yeah. Look at look at Marvel 3. Marvel 3, I mean, Justin Wong was still a top player. The top players yes. were the top players. So it, it, it's always been a weird argument because it's not as if, again, Jimmy, who sits on his couch all the time playing offline mode with his little brother, he's not coming over to a, you know an ECT or EVO and he's not rocking the game. I mean, those players are such a rarity where they could go from online to offline and actually be ridiculously good. So I've yeah. never actually understood that argument because, like you said, these companies are trying to make more money. They, they can't just cater to, an, to the offline audience, which is yeah. I understand the problem that you guys had with NRS when you guys went to go test those games. But, again, it, it's just an argument I, I never really – I never got really behind. But that's just um, me. It, it's just that, you know, people think that, like, this is, this is what I'm interested in and everybody else I'm around is interested in, but they don't – put into perspective that like they're not getting the sales from our community that they are from every other gamer there's just no there's no reason to ever really say like we got to make this game so complex uh, and so like uh, have so many options it's like the average gamers they just they're not into it. they just want to play so they want to see fatalities uh, they want to be able to feel like they're doing something in the game which is why they do water the stuff down and i feel that particularly in the NRS community, that's been a problem. And I think it's because it's not, again, not new gamers, but new to the scene. Um, just thinking that, like, our games should be number one because it's new. But it's like, if your game's only getting, you know, a quarter of the turnout of the of the most popular game on a, you know, on the card, it's, you know, it's not going to get, you know, the top showing. Uh, or... In more recent times, it's how much money the developers put into the bonuses is what turn determines what gets the most attention. So, I don't know. It, like I said, it, it was MK9 was was magical, and then after that, it was like it just yeah, it just got different. I don't know. It's it's it was still fun up until MKX. I think I, I would say most people would agree. Is um, it the community's think, fault that the fun was taken away? Yeah. What is the yeah. NRS community in 2020? I don't know. I really don't know. I'm so far removed from... The, so Injustice 2, I would say, really, uh, because the NRS scene was uh, being run by the developers, I guess you could say, um, in terms of, like, the competition, um, it, it really, like, pushed me out. I didn't get to really be involved and keep, like, my, uh, you know, my contacts with people and my, you know, just just having that presence is very, very important. Um, and I was streaming other stuff. So, you know, people would still come and say hi, um, but, you know, all, and, and play on all my systems and everything, too, because <laughs> I was still, you know, it's part of my job uh, for the events. But um, I I really don't know personally what happened but there's definitely like any time i just randomly try to like sink my teeth into like what's been going on uh i don't have any interest none none whatsoever you, you I, take I, a foot in and then basically you see what's going on and you I'm, say you know what i'm out of here i, I i'm exactly. i'm at an age where i don't need any of this you guys could keep all your childish exactly. stuff yep oh i've totally aged out of out of any drama um and I think some people like misunderstand like how I respond to things. Like they think that I, I know I get 
from some people they they think like there's this like ego um but i'm i'm really more like like trolling people in a way like very very subtly um and mostly i do it to try to see if they say something because then i know who to trust because it's a very important thing in the scene is like trust factor it just it has gone out the window it's really really just awful and it's for no reason at all um you know i i don't know you know once everything starts coming back you know to some you know some semblance of order i don't know like where we're gonna be because i mean really everybody's just playing online that's it just playing online and i know people are dying to really start getting tournaments back but i think i think mk11 is a complete loss at this point um you know just have to wait until the next game i don't know if uh, is anybody talking about justice 3 is that is that gonna happen i couldn't tell you no, you, you reached. Uh, you kind of pointed on something that everybody's waiting for all these offline tournaments to start. Because, again, offline tournaments by all means, it's, it's just a weekend getaway to get together with people that do the same thing that you love. Yep. You're still in the FGC, you know, even though you say yeah. you know you have one foot out. What are your thoughts yeah. with everything that's been going on lately? With um, um all these I, accusations, I, all every. I mean, there are some players who have actually come out and admitted that. They are guilty of what they've done. I mean, yeah. what are your thoughts? Do you have any thoughts on it, or is it something along the lines where you can't ha- you don't have an opinion because you don't know these people? You've been in this for so long. I, I, I wouldn't know what you've seen. I've never really, you know, we've never really talked about this. We, I, I have no. no reason to. We talk so much about everything else, wrestling, video yeah. games, comic books. Stuff but, that interests us makes us happy. Yeah, but, but again, you're, you're in it. What, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I mean, people who know me personally know I have very, very strong opinions about many, many things. Uh, and I, I feel like there's um, the lack of respect for the scene is what comes out the most in this stuff and in anything and not even just gaming. It's like if you have something good and you think that you can just get away with anything um, – no repercussions and then all of a sudden society starts like changing now everybody's worried oh my god what did i say in a message here and there you know like you gotta like you know basically like review your like history and like your tweets and everything and um i i really think that uh this it is a phase right now with the over like over scrutinizing of what people do but the people who do, who have done things that have hurt people, it, it's that stuff is is probably not going to go away. That part of it won't. But the they people will eventually move on and like try to actually have a community again. Um, I really just I I don't like how it affects the whole community. Like I can't stand when I see somebody post like um the like the whole community is like responsible for like you know whatever is going on like and this is again like maybe like more like a few years ago i would see this more but like oh god this community you know it's like no it's like this is like a person like these are individuals who are doing this even if it's like a group of tos who are all you know conspiring on something like it's that group of people it's not the whole scene uh it's terrible to like you know lump all that into just 
the behavior of i don't know gamers like i really don't know like why people do that but you see it all the time it's like calm down this is about specific people um but the enabling though you know that's that's another thing that's just it's it's more of it's definitely going to come out i guarantee that that's no doubt about that in the last few years um you you, you still do big events but I've also noticed yep. you do a lot of smaller events around Jersey, a quarterly report. I believe you do some comic cons. Are you going to be winding down and only basically doing classic MK? Because that's still, a, a lot of people say, of course, and you know it's your bread and butter. It's like Shock mm. is here, UMK3, MK2 is here. You said yeah. it yourself, you know, MKX, MK11, you love the series, but th those games, they're, they're just not fun. Is that what you're going to be doing? Um, you know, if, if Big E calls, hey, uh, Shot, could you please come and help us, you know, stream MK11 or whatever iteration of Injustice there is? You're, yeah. you're basically there more to run UMK3, aren't you, and MK2? Because that, that's, that's what you love. So really, for me, I guess since MK9, um, we've just had classic MK available. It's basically just, it's there. It's, you know, people... We know there's going to be a handful of people who want to play, no matter what. If we can get a squeeze a setup in here, we get it going. You, I, I'll take a you know time out from the stream and go look and see. And there's always a couple of people playing. So, as long as that's there and I can go and get like a couple of games here and there, I'm gonna still do it. Um, but in terms of like running stream, you know, I, I like I, I think that will still be my focus. Um, you know, supplying the equipment and stuff if uh, if need be. I know that he's really got a lot of his own stuff now, and he doesn't really need us too much anymore uh, in terms of that. But it helps him, though, if I bring, you know, eight setups for MK and eight monitors. He don't have to worry about that. He can put that more towards other games that maybe he needs a little bit more for and didn't really, you know didn't didn't really think he would so that's that's all still going to be there as long as we we have tournaments i'll be there um my personal thing though is like i wouldn't i won't come back until everything is normal again i'm not going to be i will not be a part of all the stuff that's going on in any way i don't want to make people uncomfortable um and i also don't want to be uncomfortable so i'm very fair about it but you probably won't see me back until everything is as it was and if it's not and you may not see me back again so <laughs> i don't know well i'm hoping uh, not because i love you know when you yeah. have any umk3 things when i'm able to make it down there mm. tom brady one, <laughs> one of people one of the uh community's favorite human beings trash, <laughs> trash. look at that name why do people not like him um he's a strong personality uh i didn't like him <laughs> um, I, when I first met him he was talking trash about my friend who's playing umk3 not knowing that i was like his friend you know it's a brady that's how brady is you know he's and i gotta tell you he is way calmer than he was 20 years ago i mean it's <laughs> night and day and people still are like whoa you know <laughs> what is brady doing um He's, uh, you know, he's like a, he's a longtime brother for me in the community. Um, I, I know people who they ask me, they'll be like, like, what is he doing? Why does he do this? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't want to be one of those people who's like, oh, you got to accept somebody for who they are. You don't. If you don't like them, then don't deal with them. Um, but I don't know. Like, we, again, like, I, I, I've used this phrase before in, in interviews in particular because Brady always comes up. 
we're like the Professor X and Magneto of the NRS scene. So, like, you have, like, the the Professor <laughs> X wants the, the gamers to get along with everyone and, and be a part of, you know, society. If you want to crunch that down a little bit specifically, just say, like, have the NRS scene. They're, like, the mutants, and they're the ones that need to, like, be one with the community. And then you have, like, the Magneto, who's, like, the Brady back in the day not so much anymore because he, he he came around on this but he was just very very centric on the nrs um oh well, i guess midway at the time yeah um being like the focus the most important thing but then when mk9 came about and we actually started having something he was just like this is amazing like this is what i've always wanted and we've never had this we've never had the chance to shine in the community before and he really just you know he, he changed a lot at that point, I would say. Um, you know, I don't talk to him too much. Uh, I talked to him maybe like a month or two ago. Um, you know, he, he, like I said, he, he does what he does and he's not going to change. I mean, like I said, he, he has gotten better, but he still does like go back to his, you know, his, uh, his bread and butter, so to speak. You know, to finish <laughs> off this interview, I figured let's have a little, um, lightning round here let's do okay let's do word association i'm gonna name some people you give me a word to describe them crazy dominican brother rio bastard (laughs) (laughs) so annoying to play (laughs) he's ridiculously talented and 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 Crazy Dominican is too, but Rio, oh my god. He he just knows what you're going to do before you're going to do it. Ugh. Who was the better between the two? Better... You are, uh, in the UMK3. Better overall player, probably Crazy Dominican, but better fighting game player... Oh, sorry, sorry. Better UMK3 player, Crazy Dominican. Better fighting game player, Rio. So, if you have either one of those, you can beat me. So that's <laughs> that's basically the difference. Um, Dark Rob, sweetheart, Maxter, that's a tough one. I I, I know I I don't know Maxter so well. Um, uh, he's jeez, uh, that's a tough one. I, I I don't really have like a, an instant. Sixteen bit. Bothersome. (laughs) Summoning. Um. Inspirational. Nine point nine five fill. Elder God. Nine nine five fill. Confusing. Storms. Passionate. CD Jr. Where is he? (laughs) (laughs) James MK. Old. (laughs) L.I. Joe. Um... Great person. Um, what's his name? The dude down from Venezuela, um, 
Paulo is his name? The UMK3 player? There's a bunch of them. Well, the the top one down there. He's the one always putting up. I think his name is Paulo, isn't it? Or what the I don't know. There's the guy. I know there's a guy who's like heralded as the best. I believe he goes by Speed. Mm-hmm. Is that the guy? No, no, no. I'm thinking of somebody else. He must be new. I, I really haven't heard of him. There's like a handful. There's like three or four guys that I go back with like 15, 20 years. Um, like uh, Ninja Grinder and RZP. Um, you know those guys, Hanzo. Um, that's his name. Guys. I'm sorry. His name is Hanzo. That's who I'm thinking Hanzo. of. Um, uh, um. The word just escaped me. Um, persistent. Juggernaut. Misguided. And Shock, thank you very much. It was no a great problem. interview. I really want to do a follow-up because I'm sure we didn't hit on a lot of things. You're All an interesting right. guy, and trust me, guys, this is only the first episode with this man. This, We haven't even gotten into his wrestling career. Oh, boy. <laughs> Shock, uh, where could people reach you? Uh, what are your social media outlets? Um, UMK Shock on Twitter. Uh, UMK Shock, I think that's my Facebook URL. Um, and, uh, I mean, you can go to combatnetwork.com. Uh, there's some links on there. We don't really, haven't really updated it much. Uh, hasn't been much of a reason to uh, in recent time. Um, I mean, you could check out the Twitch stream. I, I'm going to try to get on more. Uh, so twitch.tv slash combat network. Um, we don't really have like a discord or anything. Um, we're going to start trying to get, you know, a little more active again, especially because summoning has been streaming a lot, uh, on our channel. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's the current goal is to really get, you know, I want to start streaming like the retro stuff again. Uh, so you can see me on there when, uh, when I'm doing that, but you know, Facebook's a good place, uh, or, uh, or Twitter. Um, that's about it. Listen, man, thank you very much for being on the show. Again, I look forward to doing a follow-up episode with you. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Have yourself a good evening. Guys, have yourself a great great evening as well. Love you. Take care. See you next time. Thank you, guys. This has been a KPB MediaWorks production.